Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And when Joseph heard Pharaoh want to give credit to Joseph, it was as if the Lord inside of Joseph said, oh, what are you going to say, Joseph? You know, Pharaoh wants to heap praise on you. What are you going to say, Joseph? And so just respond like David said, not unto us, not unto us, O Lord, but unto thy name give glory. And so it is with this kind of like an unrecorded conversation between Joseph and the Lord going on. Right in front there when he replies, and, and it's as if Joseph said, not unto me, talking to the Lord. Not unto me, O Lord, not unto me, but unto thy name I'm going to give glory for thy mercy, thy truth's sake. So Joseph is successful in getting this message across to Pharaoh because after Joseph had successfully interpreted Pharaoh's dream, instead of celebrating, let's have a party for Joseph for his sole ability to interpret dreams, Pharaoh says something which is unbelievable from an Egyptian king. In Genesis 41, 38, Genesis 41, 38, Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this in a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, for as much as God has showed thee all this, there's none so discreet and wise as thou art. Pharaoh gave glory to God when he honored the Spirit of God in Joseph for showing Joseph the meaning of his dreams. Now, Joseph has this very special relationship with God. The Lord is with Joseph. Very special relationship. And when it says in verse 2, and the Lord is with Joseph, the name that's used there for God is the word Jehovah. Jehovah. And as a matter of fact, throughout this chapter, 39, the name which is used continuously for God is Jehovah. Verse 2, like we've been looking. The Lord Jehovah was with Joseph. Joseph, and the master, in verse 3, and his master saw that the Lord Jehovah was with Joseph. And in verse 3 again, and the Lord Jehovah made all that he did to prosper. And verse 5, and the Lord Jehovah blessed the Egyptian's house. Verse 5 again, the blessing of the Lord Jehovah was upon all that he had in the house. Verse 21, but the Lord Jehovah was with Joseph. Verse 23, the Lord Jehovah was with him. Verse 23 again, the Lord Jehovah made it to prosper. So God is referred to in this chapter by the name Jehovah. is as though that's the name for everyone to see what's happening here with Joseph. It's the name Jehovah. God is Jehovah. So from those eight times that I just listed there, when the Lord is referred to as Jehovah, as if, as if the Lord is being emphasized by the name Jehovah as the great, all-powerful ruler of the universe. In all eight times, 
That's how God is referred to. By no other name in this chapter is God referred to except the name Jehovah. That's what makes it so dramatically significant that when Joseph speaks about God to Potiphar's wife, that Joseph doesn't use the name Jehovah to refer to God in verse 9, Genesis 39, 9, when he says, There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God, not Jehovah, sin against God? He did not use the name Jehovah. When he spoke about God, instead, Joseph used the name Elohim, Elohim, Genesis 39, 9. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God, Elohim? And when God spoke to Joseph about who is going to interpret his dreams, Joseph used the same name. I mean, when Joseph spoke to Pharaoh about who's going to interpret his name, his dreams, Joseph used that same name, Elohim, for God. In Genesis 41, 16, Genesis 41, 16, Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not in me, but God, Elohim, will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. That's the name, Elohim, that Pharaoh then uses for God in Genesis 41, one of those other verses I was telling you about. So when Joseph used the name Elohim instead of Jehovah to speak about God, it is as if Joseph sees something about God that no one else saw, and that was that God was Elohim. Now, to see what he saw, we have to ask the question, what is the significance of the name Elohim for God? Well, the significance of the name Elohim for God is seen in how it's first used in the Bible. And this is not very hard to find because it's the third word in the Bible. Barashit bara Elohim. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created. So Elohim. In the beginning, God Elohim created the heaven and the earth. Elohim is the name of God the creator. And what do we see in the creation? What do we see in the creation? We've talked about this. When you look at the creation, you stand back and you look at Genesis 1 and 2 and you see care and provision of God. Everything that God created can be seen as created for man. God created for man a place for man to live, the earth. A place for man to go when he dies, heaven. A light for man to see. Food for man to eat. Lights in the sky for man to tell times and seasons and holidays. A garden for man to work in. Boundaries or laws for man to stay in. The Spirit of God breathed into man for man to live spiritually. God created all of what we see for man. Because God is this type of nature. He loves to give. He loves to love. He loves to provide. He loves to meet the needs of others. That's who God is. And that's what God did in the creation. And the name that encompasses all of that cared provision is the name Elohim. Elohim. The Lord Jesus Christ had his eye on this aspect of God, Elohim, in creation when he said, those famous words in Matthew 6.31, Matthew 6.31, therefore take no thought, therefore saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added 
unto you. Two very important words in that passage. Knoweth and added. Knoweth and added. Those are the two words that describe in Matthew 6, 31 to 33, knoweth and added. Knoweth and added. Prevision knoweth. And provision added. Prevision and provision. See, creation is God's prevision of a need, seeing what we're going to need, and his provision or adding what we need. And the name of Elohim encompasses creation as God's prevision and provision for our need, for man's need. And Joseph's life, his whole life, can be described as one huge need. His needs protection. Joseph needs protection from his enemies. Joseph needs help. How to do all these things he has no experience in doing. And Joseph needs help to do what no one else can do. Interpret a dream from a Gentile ruler. In all these tremendous needs that Joseph has, there's one answer in his life. And the answer is Elohim, who is the God of prevision and provision. And therefore, the one answer is Genesis 39.2, the Lord was with Joseph. So the presence of God inside of Joseph was the answer for every challenge, every need that came to Joseph, and the Lord was with Joseph. How am I going to do this? And the Lord was with Joseph. How am I going to endure this? And the Lord was with Joseph. So when Joseph looks at the Lord meeting all the needs, all his needs with his presence, then Joseph has one word to describe this God, the God of creation, and he uniquely calls him Elohim the God of creation who saw all of man's needs in advance, prevision, and then provided, and the God Elohim is the one who did all that for man in the creation. So, God, so Joseph said, that's my God. That's my God. That's why Joseph uniquely uses the name Elohim to describe God. He said, I can't sin against Elohim, who, who's seen everything I need and then provides everything I need. I can't do that, he says to Potiphar's wife. He responds to Potiphar's wife to telling that, I can't sin against Potiphar, your husband. He's been the most kind man to me in all of Egypt. Look what he's done for me. He's treated me like nobody else has treated me before. I can't do this to him, he says. And then he tells Potiphar's wife, and in the same vein, I can't sin against God Elohim because of all the good that he's done to me. So it's very significant when we look at the eight references to God in this chapter, chapter 39, and we see the name Jehovah used, and then Joseph grabs this name Elohim for God, as if Joseph expressing that how he saw God as precious. Joseph saw God as precious in his prevision and provision. Like Peter said in 1 Peter 2 7, 1 Peter 2 7, unto you, therefore, which believe, he's precious. When Joseph used the name of Elohim, it was as Joseph was saying, Unto me, therefore, who believes God is a creator, he's precious. And as if Joseph is saying, I use the name Elohim because I believe in Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And by using the name Elohim, as if Joseph would say something like this, you know, some may look at nature and see only mother nature. Or, or well, that's a fortuitous course of chance, but not me. Because when I look at nature, I see only Elohim. And the work of Elohim in his love and his care and his provision, that's what I see. So Joseph is saying, I believe that Elohim is the caring, 
loving, providing creator. And that caring, loving, providing creator, Elohim, is with me and in me, and that's the reason why he's precious. Unto Joseph, Elohim was precious. Unto the others, the Lord was Jehovah, the great omnipotent judge. The world knows God only as just God, distant, powerful judge. But we know God as caring, loving, and providing Jesus. Just as Elohim was for Joseph the special name for God as the God of all care and love and provision, that's why the name Elohim was so precious to Joseph. So the name of Jesus for us is a special name for God as the God of all care, love, and provision, and that's why the name of Jesus is so precious to us. And Joseph, he saw Elohim. He rejoiced in Elohim. He couldn't see him, but he saw him. And we can't see Jesus, but we rejoice in him. In 1 Peter 1.18, as it says, on whom having not seen, you love. In whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So Joseph saw Elohim and what others could not see. And Joseph loved Elohim. And we see the Lord Jesus as in a way that no one else can see him. Others can't see him. And we love him. Just as the Shunammite in the Song of Solomon, they asked her, they said, so what's so special? We don't get it. In Song of Solomon 5.9, 5.9, Song of Solomon 5.9. What is thy beloved more than any another beloved? O thou fairest among women. What is thy beloved more than another beloved that thou dost charge us? My beloved, she says, oh, my beloved is white and ruddy and the chiefest among 10,000. His head is as the most fine gold. His locks are bushy, his black, as black as a raven. His eyes are as the eyes of doves by the rivers of water, washed with milk, fitly set. His cheeks are as a bed of spices, sweet flowers. His lips like lilies, dropping sweet-smelling myrrh. His hands are as a gold ring set with the burl. His belly as a bright ivory overlaid with sapphires. His legs are as pillars of marble set in sockets of fine gold. His countenance is as Lebanon, excellent as the cedars. His mouth is the most sweet, yea, altogether lovely. This is my beloved. This is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Boy, I bet you they said, well, we're not going to ask her that anymore. <laughs> she just can't stop going on and on and on and on. They said, well, why is he any different from anybody else? Oh, she saw what others could not see. That's the point of the two men that Jesus spoke about, the Lord Jesus spoke about, these two men in Matthew 13, 44, Matthew 13, 44, they saw something no one else saw when it says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hidden a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. See, that man who found the treasure in someone else's field, it wasn't his field, he, found, he realized, whoa, this is precious. And he goes and sells everything he has and buys the field. I don't know. To me, it looks like the Gentiles who found the unrecognized treasure of the Lord Jesus in the field of the Jews. Uh, it's open to interpretation. Anyway, that man And then the other man, he finds the pearl of great price because he was looking for that pearl, and he sells everything he has to buy it. Why? It was the point. All this was the point of seeing the unrecognized value. Paul was like those men when he said, I see this unrecognized value 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says in Philippians 3, 7, Philippians 3, 7, what things were gained to me, I count those for loss, for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. See, just like those men, Paul was saying, I will part with it all if I can win Christ. Now, when we read, there's a particular word here we have to talk about. When we read that Joseph was a prosperous man, from the word prosperous, you kind of get the idea, oh, he made a lot of money. You know, he's got made a lot of money. Not quite the meaning of the Hebrew word. The Hebrew word salah, 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 it comes out when you really look at a place where it's used in 2 Samuel 19, 17, 2 Samuel 19, 17, where it's speaking about the Jordan River, and it says, there were a thousand men of Benjamin with him, with David, and Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul, and his 15 sons and his 20 servants with him, and they went over Jordan before the king. They went over Jordan. That's the word Salah. They, Salah, went over Jordan. So here was the Jordan River as a barrier, a great barrier that stood in the front of them, it stood in the front of the thousand men of Benjamin and Ziba, and he has the 15 sons, 20 servants. And what are they going to do? You know, well, they, Salah, they went over. It, they went over the obstacle. That's the word that's used here, just translated prosperous. That's prosperous. But better would be overcomer. You could substitute it like that. So you could say something like in verse two, the Lord was with Joseph and he was an overcomer. Now, now, so prosperous, it may not be the best word. You may not look at that and say, well, that's not a very good word for tzalach, the concept of breaking forth, overcoming the obstacle. And that, but that's the word the King James translators and others did too. But I'm telling you, they did a whole lot better than Wycliffe did because Wycliffe said for tzalach, he was a lucky fellow. <laughs> that's not, that doesn't cut it. So the picture behind the word tzalach, translated as prosperous man, is the fact that the Lord was with Joseph and it made Joseph to be like a cork in the water. See, that's a good picture of Tzalak, a cork in the water. You push the cork down under the water, and it still surfaces. Joseph has to swim, but he doesn't get drowned. And for only one reason, because the Lord was with him. And even when Joseph was in prison, the Lord was with him. And that was really hard for Joseph. When he was a prisoner in prison, it was really hard. Because it says in Psalm 105, verse 17, Psalm 105, 17, he sent a man before him, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. It's very interesting when it says that he was laid in iron, because it's not quite expressed here. Barzel ba'a nafsho. So Barzel, iron, ba'a, came, nafsho, into his soul. So what it's really saying here is that iron, the iron that was on his feet, you know, in his fetters, the iron came into his soul. The iron in his feet came into his soul. When Joseph was falsely accused and suffered as being an innocent, that whip was sharper than a whip of scorpions for him. And the iron came into his soul, but the Lord was with Joseph. And the secret of him overcoming was that the Lord was with him. This is exactly what John is saying in 1 John 4, 4. 1 John 4, 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, Salah. You have overcome him. Because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the devil. The only reason 
that you can overcome, or Salak, you can overcome, is because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So Joseph overcomes because the Lord was with him. And, but, but it's important to see, it's important to see that the presence of God with him, it shielded him from some things and it didn't shield him from other things. It shielded him from loneliness. It shielded him from a lack of guidance. It shielded him from, from purposelessness. It gave him comfort. The Lord was with him. But it didn't shield and screen him from adversity. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was not shielded from, nor did the Lord screen him from hatred. The Lord was with Joseph, and his brethren hated him. The Lord was with Joseph, and it did not shield him from the temptation to sin. The Lord was with Joseph, and Potiphar's wife cast her eyes on him. The Lord was with Joseph, and Potiphar believed the slander. The Lord was with Joseph, and God was with Joseph, but that did not shield him from the pain as he sat in prison wearing those leg iron, feet iron that hurt him so much that the iron came into his soul. The Lord was with Joseph, and Joseph was disappointed when he said to the butler, think of me when it is well with thee, but the butler altogether forgot him. The Lord was with Joseph, and everything may seem to go against you. The Lord does not promise us an easy street. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was saved from gross sin. He fled, he shut his ears, he overcame, God was with him. The Lord was with Joseph, and Joseph did save the world from famine when God told Joseph through Potiphar's dream that he had to build the great storehouses. Just as the Lord was with Noah, and Noah saved men from the flood, and as God told him, build the ark. It does not say that Joseph had an above-average intelligence or that he was gifted with natural abilities or that he was a hard worker. These are not the reasons for his his overcoming. Joseph overcame because the Lord is with Joseph. And for us, the pattern that we see here is that there's just one course, one path to success in life, the Lord to be with us. See, and the Lord to be with us means like this. Make the Lord Jesus Christ our friend. Make the Holy Spirit our guide. Make the Bible our companion. Make perseverance our trainer. Make experience our teacher. Make caution our older brother. And make hope our partner in life. Because the latter, you can look at it this way. Okay. Look at a ladder of success in life. It has six rungs. First rung, salvation through God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith, second rung, faith in God. Third rung, dedication to God. Fourth rung, loyalty to God. Fifth rung, self-control for God. And the last rung, sixth rung, perseverance through God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the life of Joseph and all that we might be like him, we pray. And we yearn, Lord, for the ability to overcome as he did from your presence with us. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages 
can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.